when I tell people that I was baptized in the River Jordan, they look at me like I'm nuts. It's true. It's true. What an incredible blessing that is. Uh, we're looking at planning a trip to the Holy Land sometime in the not too terribly distant future. So keep that on your radar. Start throwing a couple nickels in a bucket or something like that and, uh, you know, see what God does. See what God does. My little boy's growing up. He is. He's growing up, man. His little boy's growing up. It was, you know, I saw some Facebook memories the other day where it showed him and he was just a little cuddle bug and he's got his brothers holding him. He looks like a little football, you know. And, uh, man, I was just weeping over that stuff. And then now, you know, last night my mom and my aunt came over for a while and, and he was putting on a show for everybody, wasn't he? He was putting on a show. He was dancing, playing his guitar, uh, hanging out for everybody, spinning around in circles till he fell down, doing the whole thing. You know, he can do the itsy bitsy spider. Some of y'all seen him on the internet doing the itsy bitsy spider. He can do that. Uh, his favorite word is mama, which he says about 697 times a day. And he very affectionately calls me Paul. <laughs> Not sometimes, all the time. I am Paul. And that's okay, because that is my name. <laughs> and he toddles about 97 miles an hour everywhere that he goes. Some of y'all have seen him running through the church, and it's like, slow down, Bubba. Oh, so you got to keep an eye on him all the time, or he will get away from you. He's a cute little fella, man. You know, some of y'all saw that video I shared where he was trying to get him to sing, and he'd rather hug on a nollie than sing. But, you know, it's a cute little picture, a little video that we had of him standing out there in his diaper just being cute. Uh, last night he was standing out there with his little, he had on a diaper and a little fedora, so he was like being the man, right? He was just being the man. I got a, I got a picture of that too. I'll show some of y'all that later. Maybe I'll post it later. It's super cute. And he's cute doing that right now. He's cute doing that right now. But if my other son... was to come out in his drawers with a fedora on. He's up there. <laughs> still cute. Still cute, but maybe not as cute. Maybe we'd start to get a little concerned about some of the stuff that was going on. And he's a handsome young man. It's just all about presentation, right? My point is, is that what works for you now ain't going to work for you in the future. You know, if, if, if Titus was to be 14 like Logan is and still like toddling around and calling me Paul and, and doing all the stuff that he does now, then it wouldn't be nearly as cute here in a few years as it is now. Something would be wrong. And yet... Wait for it. Y'all might want to put your, pull your feet back under your chair a little bit right now. And yet, uh, after we as Christians are born again, we seem to get stuck somewhere along the way. We're born again into a new life, and we're supposed to grow in Christ just like Titus is growing in the, in the flesh right now. And yet somehow, some way, we get stuck somewhere. And so here we are, born again, new creations in Christ. And instead of progressing along the way that we ought to be progressing along, somewhere we get stuck in our diaper and can't get it off. Somewhere we get stuck being fed milk and we can't learn to feed ourselves. Somewhere along the way we get stuck and wait, church, something's wrong. 
Something's wrong. And yet we let it happen. Man, I see people that have been saved for 25 years, and they still act like the same way that they did the first day they came out of the baptismal water. And I'm sorry, but something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. People get stuck along the way, and they're not growing, and they're not maturing, and they're not developing, and they're not being molded and shaped and forced and grown and changed into what God wants you to be. Because look, justification by salvation happens like that. It does. Praise God for that. But sanctification, discipleship, being molded and shaped into who God wants you to be, it takes a lifetime. And if you stop somewhere along the way, then you're wasting the grace that God has given you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And I firmly believe, you heard me say it before and I'll say it again, I think when we come before the, the, the Bema judgment seat of Christ, not the one where he determines if we're saved or not, because there's two times you'll come before the Lord. The first time you'll come before the great right throne and he'll say, you belong to Jesus, come on in. And then we'll come before the throne of Christ. The throne of Christ where we have to answer for what we've done and what we haven't done. Now, now, now don't get me wrong, it's a blessing to be there because you've already made it in. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've already made it. But you have to look in the face of Christ. And it is my belief, the Holy, from the, what the Holy Spirit showed me from what I've read in here, that he's only going to ask you one question. What have you done with the grace that I have given you? What have you done with the grace that I paid for so dearly to give you? What have you done with it? What have you done? And I want us to be able to give him an answer. I want, him to, I want us to be able to give him an answer to where he says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. It's time to dance with Miss Louise and sing with Calvin Bowles. Can somebody say amen? Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning? We're in the book of Romans in chapter... Well, we're going to start at the end of chapter 5. Did, did you guys know that there wasn't no chapter numbers and verse numbers when they wrote the Bible? I just want to make sure that you understand that because I've had, I've been in, you know, some conversations, let's call them conversations with some people earlier this week <laughs> that want to pick a verse out of the Bible and throw it at you. It doesn't work like that. See, they, when they wrote the scriptures, there wasn't no verse numbers. They didn't write a cute little saying and put a number beside it and say, hey, here's a good one. Here's a good one. We'll use this for all kinds of things and it can mean whatever we want it to mean. No. The book of Romans is a letter. Understand, it's a letter. Like you learn letter writing in English in elementary school. It's a letter. It's a business letter. The apostle Paul was writing this to the church in Rome so that Gentile Christians like me and you could learn about the faith and so that the church leaders there could learn how to do Jesus stuff. And that's what this is. It's a letter, but it all goes together. There's no hard stops at the end and the beginning of chapters. There's definitely no hard stops at the end of verse numbers. And sometimes they got it wrong. I'm just saying the translators and the numberers. And sometimes the thought should have stopped in the middle of the verse. And it's just the way that it goes. And you got to learn that kind of stuff. But anyway, book of Romans, starting in chapter 5, going into chapter 6. Bible says this. The law came along to multiply the trespass. But where sin multiplied... Grace multiplied even more. Man, I could stop right there. So that just as sin reigned in death, as also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so grace may multiply? 
Absolutely not. How can we that died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His? Therefore we were buried with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we've been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since the person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too, say me too. Say me too. So you too consider yourself dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. Can somebody give him some praise at the Way Church today? Thank you, God, that I died to sin. Thank you, God, that we died to sin. But thank you, God, that we didn't stay dead just like you didn't stay dead. Thank you, God, that because we died with you, we got to rise again. And, Lord, today I pray we walk, we live, we breathe, we move, we survive, we exist, we glorify you in that resurrection in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give him a shout of praise again. And you may be seated. In the presence of the Lord. Where grace abounds. I mean, where sin abounds. Grace abounds even more. Even more. So let me tell you a secret about all the sinful, broken, ugly stuff you see going on in the world around us right now. Grace is going to abound even more. And where you see hate, the love of God is going to abound even more. And where you see chaos, the the structure of God is going to abound even more. And where you see lawlessness, man, the law of God is going to abound even more. And where you see death going on all around you, man, the life that comes from God is going to abound more and more and more. Can somebody say amen? But Paul asks us a question. If where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Should we just keep on sinning so we can just get more of this glorious grace? I mean, should we just keep on like, like, like living awful so God can just bless us? I mean, has he given us a license to just sin all we want? No. No. Absolutely not. It's the exact opposite of that. If you're a saved person and you're still trying to see what you can get away with, You need to get on your knees. You need to open your book. And you need to see where you're at with your relationship with Him. Because if you're still trying to see what you can get away with, I'm not sure if you really know Him as well as you think you might. I mean, you just need to get on your knees, man, and just figure it out. You just need to figure it out. Because that that thought process is not of God. 
That thought process of what, what, what can I get away with? Like according to the book, what can I still do and be okay? Man, that thought process is not from the Holy Spirit. That stuff is from the enemy, and it needs to be rebuked in Jesus' name right here, right now. Man, you don't need to leave this place today. You don't need to turn off this webcast today without uh, you, you know, getting to the bottom of where that kind of thought process is coming from in your life. In your life. Look, Charles Spurgeon, one of my heroes, said this. <laughs> Hallelujah. If your life is unholy, then your heart is unchanged. And if your heart is unchanged, then you are unsaved. Hey. He's not lying. He's not lying. It's real. It's real. The evidence of a saved soul is a changed life. And I don't know if you're saved or not. Only you and God know that. But you need to get with God and figure it out right now. Because the time is near. The time is coming. And, and as your pastor, as your leader, man, I want you to be sure that you're sure that you're sure that you're sure. Because the day's coming when it's going to matter. When it's going to matter. Especially for you. It's going to matter. I mean, at times coming, it's going to matter for me. I need to be sure that I'm sure that I'm sure. Man, we need to get this thing worked out and just make sure. Because if our lives are unchanged, then our hearts are unchanged. And if our hearts are unchanged, we're unsaved. And if we're unsaved, we're in a lot of trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. We stand up here on the stage and say, don't fear. God's got this. If you don't know the Lord as your Lord and Savior, fear. Fear now. Shake with fear. Quake in your boots. Run and hide and do something because you got a lot to be afraid of if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. you got everything to be afraid of if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. And the most important thing you should be afraid of is Him. Can you say amen? You know, I was here at the Way Church one day, and, and, I mean, we don't play games with the gospel at the Way Church. Let me just be real clear. We don't play games with the gospel. We don't play games with the Word of God. You know, I had somebody come up to me waving their sin like a banner. And they wanted me to celebrate with them. They're like, look what I've got. It's my sin. And they wanted me to, they wanted me to help them celebrate their sin. And, and they were like, hey, celebrate my sin with me. And I was like, mm, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. That is an affront to God. Like, that's a sin against the Lord, and I'm not going to celebrate with that with you. As a matter of fact, you need to repent. And they were so offended and so taken aback. And they were like, well, I thought this was the kind of church where my sin would be accepted. And I was like, you think because we dress casually and, and you know, and, and play loud music that we're going to accept your sin? Look here. That does not determine who we are in the Lord. That doesn't determine who we are in the Lord. That doesn't determine our theology. No, no, there's grace and there's sin. And we want more of one and less of the other. Figure it out. And when you figure that question out, whether you want more grace or more sin, then that'll show you a real good marking of where you're at with the Lord today. And that will show you which way that you need to go and what you need to do. Man, that amazing song that we launched the service with says, God, I, I don't want to abuse your grace, but Lord, I need it every day. And we do, but not so we can sin more. We need his grace so we can sin less. Man, his grace is not a license to sin. It's a weapon to destroy the sin that's already in our life. Can you say amen? Man, that's what his grace does. That's what His grace does. Man, if, if you've truly died to sin, then how can you live in it? How can you live in it? If you're dead to sin, then you notice it. 
If you're not saved, if you don't know the Lord, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you might not even notice your sin. You might not even notice. You might be walking around with all that death, all that just stinking putrefied death all over you and not even know. Not even know. But man, when you come to know the Lord, when you come to know the Lord, when you get bathed in His blood and filled with His Spirit and, and, and sanctified by His glory, man, you can see that stuff. You can smell that stuff. You know that stuff. Man, how can you wallow in all that mess when you know what it is and you know that the effect that it has on you? Man, come out of that. Come out of that. Stop carrying all that stuff around with you. And I'm not talking about the traditions that have been handed down either. I'm not talking about stuff that have been added to this book or taken away from it. I'm talking about what's really in here. The real deal. You know, because sometimes people want to condemn us for some kind of tradition that the church made up somewhere along the way. And that's garbage. You need to figure out what it is. And, and then sometimes, you know, we want to act like that some of the stuff that's in here is really not. And, and we want to try to get away from it and excuse ourselves from it. You know, I taught the youth lesson this past Thursday, and we talked about unforgiveness. And a lot of those young people didn't realize that bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart is a sin against God. And there's people walking around right now in the church with judging and bitter spirits on them, and they think that they're somehow better off than people that are still addicted to drugs or sex or whatever. And I need to explain to you here today that that is just not the case. As a matter of fact, God doesn't, you know, the thing that God says is that if you can't forgive other people, then guess what? I can't forgive you. I can't forgive you. Let's go back to the book. How about that? Let's go back to the book, book, chapter, and verse. And let's let the Word of God and His Holy Spirit set us free and set us free for all time. Let's, have, let's let Him break the chains of sin and debauchery in our life, but let's also let Him break the chains of religion and traditionalism and legalism in our life. And let's be free on the real. Let's be free on the real. Can somebody say amen? Let's be free on the real. And then let's walk out of it for real. Let's walk out of it instead of wallowing in it. You know, for those of you that have been in jail before, don't raise your hand. For those of you that have been in jail before, when, you know, when, when, the, when the, the correctional officer came and said, Hey, Milby, you, you made bail, you're out. You're out. You know, turn in your stuff. You didn't say, Oh, no, man, I... The door's open. Somebody paid my debt. I can see freedom out there. I think I'll just stay here. I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm good. Close the door back. I'll just stay. I'll just stay here. I love the ambiance. For those of you that have been in the hospital, when the nurse came and said, Hey, you've been cured. You've been healed. Here's your, your, your final, you know, uh, um, paper yeah your discharge paper you can go we'll wheel you down to the door and put you in your car you didn't say no I'm good I think I'll hang out here in the ICU for a couple of more days and then they'd be like well I mean you can but it's going to cost you for every minute that you're in here and there's sickness all around you and you're liable to get infected with something else and the food is terrible but you're welcome to stay. And you didn't be like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm just going to stay right here. And for, for those of you that have listened to your financial peace coordinator and paid off all your debts and been set free by the power of God in your life, 
You didn't continue to make payments to that credit card company after you had already paid off that debt, did you? I mean, did you? What kind of sense would that make if you were to do that? Well, if all those things were true, if the prison doors had been opened for us and we left... If the sickness in our life has been cured and we walked out of it, if the debt in our life has been paid and we were set free and stopped making payments of it, then why in the world, after we've been set free from sin, do we go back and wallow in it and let it consume our lives? Why? 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 Don't do it, man. Come out of that garbage. Come out of that garbage. Look, look, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Ah. Oh, man, this is like my favorite part. (laughs) Or were you unaware? Brent's going to make fun of me now if that's okay. Maybe you didn't know. But after you leave here today, you can't use that excuse anymore. Because if you don't know, well, now you know. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you didn't know, but when we surrendered our lives to Christ, we died with Christ. When you surrender your life to him, we died with him. But listen, when we go to be crucified with Christ, don't stay on the cross. We celebrate the cross like it's a, you know, like it's a thing of victory, and it is. That's where he said it is finished, but it's also a symbol of death. And a symbol of sin and a symbol of destruction, man. When you get crucified with Christ, when you die with Christ, don't stay on the cross. Because if you stay on the cross, all that is for you there is death. There's only death there. And when you go into the grave with Christ, man, don't stay in the grave. Because that's where the sin and death stays. And Jesus didn't stay there. And you're not supposed to stay there either. We died with Christ for the sole purpose that we could be risen into life with Christ. Don't stay there. Look, when we talk about baptism in a minute, like, like it symbolizes going into the grave with Christ. But we don't stay under the water, do we? If we were to stay under the water, then what would happen to us? We die and we stay dead. We don't stay under the water. We come out of the water and we rise into a brand new life with Christ Jesus. you got to finish the process. you got to finish the process. It's like I was talking about growing up, man. You can't just stay stuck. You can't stay stuck. you got to finish the process. Man, God's got a plan for your life, but it's a process. And there's a beginning, and there's a middle, and there's an end. And I just don't want you to get stuck somewhere. Can you say amen? For if we've been united with him in death, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anybody that's died has been set free from sin. Now if we die with Christ, I believe that we will also live with Him. So if we've died with Him, then let's rise with Him. And if we rise with Him, then let's live. Let's live like Him. Let's live like him man let's spend our lives glorifying god man let's go and let's heal the sick and let's cast out demons and let's break chains and tear down strongholds let's live a life to bring glory to god and to enjoy him forever man if we've risen like christ and let's live like christ one time how about that
And let's not let anything stop us, most of all the sin that we've already been set free from. Can you say amen? Let's not live in it anymore. Let's not live in it anymore. But did you know that sins aren't just a list of things that we shouldn't do? Because some people get caught up in that. They act act like Christianity is a a list of rules you have to keep, and if you don't keep the rules, you're going to go to hell, and that's just not what it is. Not what it is. By His grace, I've been saved. By His grace, I've been saved. Not by my works so so I can't boast, because that would get out of hand real fast. Look at my list and all the things that I have done. My list is better than your list because I did more. I broke less rules, and that's not true about me at all, by the way. I'm just doing that as an example. That's not true. My list is probably way worse than most of y'all's. But Christianity is not just a list of rules that we're supposed to keep. In the book of James, it says if you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, you're in sin. So it's not just telling us what not to do. As a matter of fact, more important than what you didn't do is what you did do. The did-dos are a lot more important to Jesus than the don't-dos. He's called us to a mission. He's called us to a glorious plan and be part of the kingdom of God. Man, he's called you to be an army, and a soldier in the army of the kingdom of God. That means that there is a purpose for your life. That means there's something you need to do. And somebody else's life and their attorney is depending on you to make that happen for the kingdom of God. And there's one thing that he asks us to do right on the forefront. And that's to be baptized. That's to be baptized. And so I want to talk about that today just for a minute. Let's talk about water baptism, man. It's a, it's a hot topic in the church. Hot topic in the church. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? That's a terrible question. And I'll tell you why. One day we had a really evangelistic service here at the Way Church. And like 10 people gave their life to Christ. Um, just an amazing day in the Lord. And we also had baptisms that day, and we had about five or six people baptized. And I posted something on the internet. I was like, man, we had ten people saved, and you know, six people baptized at the Way Church, and it was just an incredible day, and the glory of God just celebrating. And then God jumped me on the internet and was like, "What do you mean by saved? Your your math doesn't make sense. People can't be saved without being baptized. So all those other people that didn't get baptized are still headed straight for hell." And I was like, okay, man. <laughs> but anyway, I had some really good conversations with this guy and uh, kind of talk about, you know, the, the theology behind it and all the, you know, the intricacies inside and outside of that. And so uh, let me be real clear to you today. The physical act of baptism doesn't save you, but baptism does save you in that it shows your devotion to God, it shows your good conscience to God, and it shows your changed life in God. So let me be real clear to you. A surrendered life, a surrendered life doesn't ask what's the least I can get away with. A truly surrendered life doesn't say, God, what's the, what's the very minimum thing that I can do and still get in? See, for somebody that has access to be baptized, to say, do I have to be baptized to be saved? It's a terrible question. And I have to ask you, do you truly know him? Because... He, he's, he's asked us to do this, man. And if we're trying to do the least minimum requirements possible, then I have to ask you if you've truly met him or not. And if you truly understand what his glorious grace feels like and tastes like and is like. Because a truly surrendered life, uh, instead of asking what's the least I can get away with, is what the most I can do. 
A truly surrendered life says, what else can I do? A truly surrendered life says, how else can I serve you? My king and my God, I lay my life down. And if you ask me to do this, then nothing is going to keep me from doing it. Can you say amen? Listen, it's like this. Salvation is like a marriage. And it says so in Scripture over and over and over again. Ephesians 5, you know, where he's talking about the, what the wife's responsibilities are and what the husband's responsibilities are. At the end of that, he says, really what I'm explaining to you is the mystery of Christ. And, and in Revelation 19, he talks about the wedding feast. You know, in the parable of the ten virgins, they're talking about meeting the husband. And the, it's, 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 all about, it's all about marriage. And, and, and so that's what salvation is. And so the gospel presentation is the proposal. Right? The gospel presentation is the proposal. Will you? Will you surrender your life? Will you? And then, and then the I do is where you believe and where you confess that Christ is Lord. Where you believe that he is who he says he is. It's where you believe and, and where you surrender your life to him when you say I do to the Lord. And then the pronouncement in the marriage where I would say I now pronounce you man and wife. Or I now pronounce you in a covenant relationship. And that's where the Holy Spirit fills you. That's where the Holy Spirit fills you and it seals you. Man, salvation is like a marriage. And then baptism, baptism is the kiss. Baptism is the kiss. It's where your physical body lives out the truth that your spirit has decided on. Baptism is the kiss. And, and so what about this? What if I was to say, I now pronounce you man and wife, you may kiss your bride, and you were like, no. If you refuse to kiss your bride, then have you truly surrendered your life to them? And so whereas I don't, I don't think that the, the physical act of baptism saves you, it, it, it's, like it's like it says in the book of Peter, if, it, it, it saves you in that it's an act of good conscience towards the Lord. So you're going to deny her publicly? What kind of a marriage is that? How is that relationship starting out? I mean, if you refuse to kiss your bride, then how is that relationship beginning? And where do you go from there? You know, back in 2007 when Curtis Slinker down at Boiling Springs Baptist Church was like, uh, I now pronounce you man and wife and you may kiss your bride. If I'd have looked at Angela Grider and been like, no, I don't think I will. Do you think I'd still be married now? Do you think that we would have actually been, I mean, would we have actually been married that day? I don't know, man. I don't know. Baptism is the kiss. And if you refuse this first act, then what kind of standard are you setting for your relationship with God? And did you truly surrender your life to Him? So that's the question. So is baptism required for salvation? Man, nobody should ask me that. What you should say is, hey, I've given my life to Christ. When can I be baptized? Is now okay? Next week? Tuesday? Come on, when? I need to do this because the Lord has commanded it. I need to do this. Like right now, let's do this. Let's make this happen because I want to live out the life that God has commanded me to live. I want to walk in the newness of life. I want to truly rise into his resurrection and become the person that God has destined and designed and empowered and inspired me to be. And if this is a stepping stone along the way, then by God, make it happen in Jesus' name. That's where we should be. You know, the only people that should ever ask me if, if, if baptism is required for salvation, if somebody, if somebody that's like stuck in the middle of a desert and they're fixing to die, 
And they get me on the satellite phone, and they're like, Pastor, I've surrendered my life to God. Do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? I'd be like, no, man, you're good. You're good. Or somebody that's in a space capsule, like, orbiting around the earth, and they know they're going to die, and they give their life to Christ. Or somebody that's, like, dying in their deathbed, and I'm at their bedside. And, and, and in their last final moments, they ask Christ to, to save them and they surrender their life to Him. Man, they know they don't have to be baptized to be saved. But if you're going to live the life of a disciple, then you need to obey the commands that God has given to you. And if you have the opportunity to be baptized in water as Christ commanded you and you decide not to, then what's your relationship with God really look like? You're stuck. You're stuck. You're stuck like that toddler that never grew up. I'm just saying, you're stuck. You're stuck. It's something that you need to do. It's something that you need to do in Jesus' name. It's something that you need to do. Because if we aren't willing to do that for Christ, then how in the world, how in the world are we going to deny the temptations of the flesh out there in the world? How are we going to overcome all the the obstacles that the enemy is going to put in our way if we're unwilling to surrender to what God has asked us to do in being baptized. Man, it's just the first step along many in the way. Not only that, man, something supernatural happens in baptism. You know, like I said, something supernatural happens, man. The spiritual world comes crashing into the natural world and nothing is ever the same. Nothing is ever the same. It's, it's, it's that incredible act of obedience right there in front of the whole world that brings about something supernatural and something amazing and something the likes of which the world can't comprehend, can't understand, because all they see is the natural world. All they see is what they're standing on and what they're looking at and what they can grab and what they, what they can touch, and they don't even understand that there's a spiritual world out there. But, man, when you go under that water, something beautiful happens. Like in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus went under the water, and the power of the Holy Spirit fell, and the voice of the Father spoke out saying this is my son in whom I am well pleased can you say amen and the same thing happens when you go under the water now maybe we're not attuned enough to hear the voice of the father but I can feel it in my spirit every time I put somebody under there the power of the Holy Spirit falls from heaven and falls all over them and wells up inside of them and overflows and the chorus of heaven celebrates and the glory of God is poured out all across the face of the earth can you say amen Anything that we can do, anything that we can do to bring glory to God, anything that we can do to show the world who He is, anything that we can do to come closer to Him, to experience Him. Man, here's the truth. You should be closer to God today than you were yesterday. And you should be closer to God tomorrow than you are today. And we should continue that process until we see Him face to face and never get stuck anywhere along the way. Can you say amen? And that's what this life is about. And if you get on that track, you'll never look back. Can somebody say amen? But here's an even greater truth. Before you can come under the water, you've got to come under the blood. You can get baptized 613 plus 10 times. If you ain't been touched by that blood, it don't mean a thing. It don't mean a thing. Come on, guys. It don't mean a thing. What truly matters, what truly matters is if you have been crucified with Christ. If you've gone into the grave with Christ. And if you've been risen into a new life that is available only in Christ. Only in Christ. Only in Christ. You know, I thought I was saved for a long time. I did. 
But an unchanged life is the evidence of an unchanged heart. And an unchanged heart is the evidence of an unsaved person. And so I was standing around a campfire up on top of a hill and they were singing Blessed Assurance. I'm almost positive. And I felt the Holy Spirit convicting me and saying, Paul, I, I, I want you. I want you. Die with me. Rise with me. Come with me. We've got places to go and things to do. And I was like, oh, Lord, I can just skip the dying. I'm already saved. I'll just come with you. And the Holy Spirit was like, no. You can't come like you are. You can't come like, you can't come where I want to take you like you are. You have to leave that stuff behind. And the only place where you can leave it behind is in the grave. It was a hard thing to come to terms with. Because I raised my hand in VBS when everybody else had their head down on the desk. Raised it up high so they could see. Waved it. Got baptized wearing my little white dress in front of everybody. And they sang Onward Christian Soldiers because there was about 10 of us kids from VBS that got saved at that, you know, at that good thought we got saved at that VBS. And so it was hard for me to come to terms with the fact that I didn't really know him. I knew about him. I knew about him. But I didn't know him. I didn't know him. Because when you know him, everything changes. When you know him, your heart changes. When you know him, your life changes. When you know him, your relationships change. When you know him, your day-to-day -day changes. When you know him, your thought process changes. When you know him, your eternity changes. You got to know him. And the only way to truly know him is to die with him and to rise with him. And to leave that body of your old self right there in the grave where it belongs. when that prison cell flies open walk out hand in hand with the Savior when that hospital discharge comes through you walk out hand in hand with your Savior when that debt you had piled up is paid in full you stop making those payments do you hear me to tell a sty it is finished and so on that day that glorious day for some and that dreaded day for others when we stand before the Lord he's going to say to some depart from me I never knew you but he's going to say to others welcome home welcome home well done my good and faithful servant what are you going to do with the grace that he paid for so dearly what are you going to do with all that grace that abounds more and more and more? That grace that will overwhelm your sins. That grace that will heal your wounds.
that grace that will open that prison door, that grace that paid your debt in full, what you going to do with it? Are you going to receive it? Are you going to let it bring you to life? And are you going to let it call you on a journey? On a journey to walk with Him and talk with Him and be with Him in freedom.